0: Eternal entrepreneur, we believe fate comes by hearing and so do business skills. You'll hear powerful stories and strategies to grow your business directly from Christian leaders who have done it all before. Catch us on Mondays for lunch breaks, our bite-sized business series, and twice a month on Fridays for faith-inspiring interviews. Hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast. I am Pierce Brantley, along with my co-host, Joe Newton, and we'd be more excited to share with you our conversation with Ryan Horn. Ryan is the CEO for the Academy of Extraordinary Men, whose mission is to help men rise up as the powerful leaders they were created to be so they can lead their businesses and families to success. He has been an entrepreneur his entire life, built multiple successful businesses, and is married to Brittany, the woman of his dreams.
1: Hey, Ryan, it's so good to have you on the podcast today. Welcome yeah, thank you so much, guys. I am really excited to be Ryan. We love to start off our episodes by giving a little context to our guest stories. So, can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up coming into entrepreneurship and ended where you are today? Absolutely. So, So I grew up in a
2: small town in northern Minnesota, and by small town, I know some people would say maybe, oh, 10,000 people. No, my small town was like 300 people. So very small town. I grew up mowing lawns, shoveling snow, but really my first venture into entrepreneurship, I would say, was the summer before seventh grade. I was 12 years old. And the previous summer, our Sunday school had done a fundraiser where we went around and sold calendars to raise money. And so my mom was in charge of the Sunday school. So we were getting these fundraising, these Christian fundraising magazines. And I was just looking through it one day and I was like, man, I could make a lot of money by doing this. It was like buy 36 of these calendars for $5 a calendar or something and sell them for 10. So I went around door to door into the local businesses of our our small little town selling these. And it was really funny because everybody kept asking me like, oh, are you doing this for your Sunday school again? And I was like, no, I'm just doing it for me. And so that was my first venture into entrepreneurship. Looking back on it, it's funny because there's nobody else in my family that's an entrepreneur or business owner, really. And so I think God just really, he made me a little bit different. And he He called me to this. But high school, I loved sports, played basketball and football, got offered a, a partial scholarship to play Division two football, ended up not doing that. Instead, went to a bigger school. I had a bigger academic scholarship there. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I went back and forth. I had teachers telling me to go into uh, engineering, because that was a big thing at the time. And I had gotten good grades in school. And but I didn't really like it. I took a computer engineering class my freshman year of college, and I hated it. I was like, there's no way that that this is going to be what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. And so finally, I put two and two together. I was just thinking one day, I was like, you know what, I really love sports. And I love working out. And I love helping people. How can I somehow bring those together. And so I decided to major in exercise science and I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach at a college. So I got my degree in exercise science. Sorry, I should back up a little bit. My senior year, I'm getting ready to graduate. I'm thinking I'm going to be a strength and conditioning coach. And I realized that it's actually really difficult to get a job as a strength and conditioning coach at a college. And well, it's not required. It's very difficult, as I said, to get a job without having a master's degree. And I really had no interest in, in going back for more school. And I also didn't want to go just wherever I had to get a job because there's only so many colleges and you're going to have to go wherever you can find work. So it didn't really appeal to me. I also read a book that uh, I think played a pretty major role my senior year of college um, called The Education of Millionaires. It's a book where this guy, went interviewed, probably 20 or 30 millionaires and billionaires that didn't go to college. And I told their stories. And so basically at the end of that, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go start my own business and I'll train athletes on my own. I don't have to do it through college. And so <clears throat> graduated from college and fall of 2012, I moved down to the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul in Minnesota. And for me, that was a major transition because as I said, I grew up in a very small town, the college that I went to, the college town was about a hundred thousand and the Twin Cities like three million. So it was a big time adjustment for me on a lot of different levels. But so I moved down there in 2012. I moved in with my aunt and I was sleeping on her pullout couch in her spare bedroom. And it's funny because looking back on it, it's funny. It wasn't at the time. It was like a, a 60 plus community and she had a condo there. And technically I wasn't actually even allowed to be there. So I had to like sneak in and out all the time. But I got hired as an independent contractor, personal trainer at this gym. And they promised me that, hey, you just come in and do the training. We will fill up your schedule. It'll be great. And it didn't quite work out that way. So they didn't actually give me any clients. And I found out very quickly that I had no idea how to sell and how to market. I didn't learn that in college. I was confident in my skills as a trainer, but I didn't know any of that. And so I ended up making something like $200 my first three months there. And I realized that that's not going to cut it. So I went to an employment agency and they placed me at this metal factory. And it was the overnight shift. 9pm to 9am, I was making $9 an hour. And on March 14th, 2013, I was sitting in the break room on our lunch break, it was two o'clock in the morning. And I looked up at the clock, and I, I saw that it was after midnight. And I realized, okay, it's the next day from when I came in. And it was actually my 23rd birthday. And I was like, it just kind of hit me at that moment. I was like, how in the heck did I get here? This is not how I plan things. And this is not how it's supposed to be going. And so I made a decision in that moment that I was going to go after my dreams and I was going to do whatever it took. Like I I wasn't going to wake up 20 years later, still working at the metal factory and wondering what happened. And so I finished out my shift and then I quit. And I, like I said, I decided like I'm going to make it as a personal trainer or I'm going to die trying. And that was my level of commitment. And so I went out and quickly I found another position as an independent contractor working for this guy that owned a personal training business and again he told me he's going to he's going to get me all these clients and he did get me some but he taught me the skills that I needed he started teaching me how to sell and how to market and very slowly I learned the hard way by doing it I started to get a little bit better and a little bit better I started to make a few sales on my own and things were a little bit better. Like I was able to move out of my aunt's place sleeping on her couch, which was nice. But I I was still pretty much broke. I was renting a room in a house. I think it was $500 a month. And one of the conditions of the lease was that I had to do this like big list of chores every week as well. But then July 31st, 2013, another pretty pivotal moment for me, I would say. I ordered a Tony Robbins audio program called Ultimate Edge. And I think it was like $300. And at the time I didn't have $300 and you could split it up and do three payments of $97 or something. And I barely had enough to make the first payment. I remember it was such a big decision for me to do that and thinking like, man, this better do something for me in the next 30 days. Otherwise I'm returning it and getting my $97 back because I don't even know how I'm going to make the next payment. And so I got the program. It's like a 30 hour long audio program. And I just listened to that thing on repeat in my car. Like all the time. I don't even know how many times I went through the entire thing, but I had so many perspective shifts and, and realized all these limiting beliefs that I had. And and it really just started to open up things of what's possible. And it also led me to another important mentor because one of the things Tony Robbins talks about is success leaves clue and go, cl- success leaves clues and to go model people that are successful. So I literally just googled one day personal trainer marketing or something like that, and this guy Bedros Koulian popped up, and I was like, "Who's this guy?" And so I started following him and learning from him, and he's an amazing entrepreneur, very successful in the fitness industry. So those were my two mentors at the time. It was listening to this audio program of Tony Robbins and just going through everything I could of of Bedros's, and I started getting better and better. I started making more and more sales, and. Things were getting progressively a little bit better, but I realized that I was pretty much doing all of my own marketing and sales, and I was only getting 50% of the money because the other 50% was going to the guy that owned the personal training. And so I wanted to start my own business, but I felt stuck between a rock and a hard place because prior to leaving the first gym, I actually got one client that I had there. And I still had that client. That's one of the reasons why I took the night shift so I could still train this guy. And so I was stuck between, do I leave all the clients I've built up where I'm making 50% from this guy and go out on my own, even though I have, I think I actually had two clients at this other place or do I stick it out here? And because he had said before that he was thinking about selling his business and he had different opportunities, but he'd been saying that for months. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And it was just, it was really difficult. And it was winter here in Minnesota. And that was, I remember that was like one of the worst winters too. So it was just like all that was going on at the same time. And it was so frustrating. And I, I was just like, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Like I said, I was still barely able to pay my bills and didn't like my living situation. I was eating ramen noodles and sardines. I actually still have a picture, which is I'm glad I took it of some sardines right before I ate it at this time. And so that reminds me and I'm so grateful. But so that's the position I was in and it was really frustrating. And I remember February 14th, 2014, my mom sent me this really encouraging Valentine's day card, which I don't know if she's ever sent me one previously and she hasn't sent me one afterwards, but man, it was like God was speaking straight to me because I so needed encouragement at that time. She had no idea how bad things were and how frustrated I was and didn't know what to do because I was suffering in silence. And honestly, that's what most guys do. Uh, The more that I coach men, the more that I see that. So that was me. That was where I was at. And A couple weeks later, I just stuck it out a couple weeks later. I got a call from the guy that owned the personal training company. He was like, hey, Ryan, my friend just offered me this position. He's opening a gym in South Carolina. He wants me to come and manage the whole thing. And I'm moving out in a week. Do you want to buy the business from me? I was shocked. And I ended up negotiating and paying nothing to him. Now, a lot of clients that I was training were on paid in fulls. They'd already paid him. So he just kept the money. I didn't have to pay him anything but I had all these people that I was training for free basically and betting on myself that I'm going to be able to re-sign these people and also that I'm going to be able to sign up new people. And so I was able to negotiate that. And then I realized also that I had to renegotiate a deal with the owner of the gym, ended up making that work and was able to start my own business. It was March, 2014. Officially got my LLC and everything. And I Man, it was awesome. So a couple months later, things were going well. I'd re-signed some of some of the clients. I remember, I closed the biggest deal of my life up to that point. It was a five thousand dollars personal training package, and the guy handed me a check for five thousand dollars. And I'd been broke up to that point, basically. So I'm like, this is like the most money I'd ever held in my hand at the time. And I was like, wow. I was like, I've made it. Like this is incredible. And I was able to move to my own apartment. Things were progress progressively getting better, but I was still not really in a great place. I, I didn't do a great job managing my money because I started getting all these paid in fulls and then realizing, shoot, they paid me one time. And now I got to train them for the next 12 months. That's where I was at. And the the growth of my business leveled off. And obviously I had my own apartments. So I had a lot more expenses now at this time. In the end of 2014, I made two more really key decisions. And Those decisions were, despite the fact that I still didn't really have any money, two really important investments. So number one was I invested in a coach through Tony Robbins. And so that audio program that I got a year and a half earlier, it came with this, a free coaching call or something. And I didn't do it. And they literally contacted me probably 20 times over the course of six months saying, hey, you have this free coaching call. Do you want to do it? Whatever. And I just never did it. Finally, I do the free coaching call. And I'm like, man, I need a coach. Like, I'm I'm going all over the place. Like, I really need a coach. So I signed up for a coach, despite the fact that I definitely did not have the money for it. And I think it was about a week after that, I also signed up for a one day mastermind in Miami with Bedros, who's the guy that I mentioned earlier, who was a big time mentor of mine, and I pretty much learned everything I know about sales and and marketing at least in the fitness industry from Bedros. And so those two things really helped me tremendously. So the coaching, I thought I was signing up for coaching to help grow my business and I realized that man, it like flipped my whole life upside down in a great way. So that was awesome and then the one day mastermind was like Bedros was like a hero of mine at the time cuz he was like super successful. And I'd learned so much from him. So actually going to Miami and this was also like, I had not traveled. So this was like, I think maybe the second time I'd ever been on an airplane. And so I'm going to Miami from Minnesota. It was in January. I remember it was like 20 below in Minnesota and like 85 in Miami. So I get there and I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. And I meet Bedros in person and he's our entrepreneur. And I'm like, I'd never met anybody that was even like the, probably a six-figure entrepreneur before. So I'm like blown away. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And I spent an entire day with him and his business partner, Craig Ballantyne, who's also a super successful entrepreneur. And I think there were 10 people total in the room along with them for eight hours. And that just massively expanded my mind to what was possible and the shifts that they helped me make. It was incredible. So I... Became an even bigger believer in coaching. And in 2015, that became the year of growth for me. So I made those two key decisions at the end of 2014 and that propelled me. 2015, I ended up going to six different con- conferences around the country. It was also a year of massive spiritual growth for me. It's the year that I met my wife, Brittany. I doubled my business. So it was a crazy year in 2015. So that is how I got started in entrepreneurship.
0: Ryan, there's, it's such an inspirational story and I'm, I'm so glad you shared it because I, one of the things that I love about your story is that oftentimes we think we need to have everything figured out in order to be an accessible entrepreneur that the, the guys that have gone the distance or the business leaders that have gone, a dis, gone the distance have somehow come pre-packaged with the knowledge to get to their destination and you're living proof that it's every step you're at. you're pushing into the unknown and paving that path as you go. And I think that's really commendable because uh, I, I think we forget that. We want the microwave business a little bit and where you just pop it in and something should happen in 12 months. But that's not necessarily the case. You have to learn it and you have to be disciplined. I just think that's, I love the inspiration of it. I'm curious, as you're going through this whole time of discovery and you're figuring out and you're gaining confidence in yourself, what did that look like in terms of your relationship with the Lord? Was there an undercurrent or a conversation going on during that time, or do you was it more intrinsic, like you just he's going to be there for you and it was less back and forth? Because right, I see both.
2: Yeah, that's a really great question. So <clears throat> I grew up in the church and always been a believer. And so it was always there during the journey I just described, but in different ways. So I I think in the beginning, I tried to rely more on myself. And I also, as I found some of these mentors, I tried to rely on them versus God. And I I would say the shift for me where I, I started to realize that you got to rely on God. You, you can't rely on yourself or, or on other people. It was probably 2014 when I mentioned right before I officially started my business, when I was like, oh, what do I do? Do I go over here and start my business? Do I stay here? And it was really frustrating. And it was this months long process where I felt like I really learned to trust God a lot through that process. That helped me a lot. And then when this guy just out of the blue calls me and says, Hey, I'm moving to South Carolina. Do you want to buy my business? I so felt like that was God in that situation and that he was rewarding my, my patience really. And then as I briefly mentioned too, 2015, the end of 2015 was like massive, massive spiritual growth for me. And I would say that was the point where I really started to make sure that I, I was always putting God first in anything that I was doing business related and not trying to trust in myself or trying to trust in other people.
0: I'm curious what did that feel like? Was it a scary thing? Was it a relieving freeing thing? Cuz as much as he is present, sometimes handing over the keys so to speak can be can feel a little bit risky, but sometimes it's our only choice and so people would react differently in different ways. Yeah, that's a really great question.
2: So I think in the beginning it was I'd say probably the first year it was a little bit of of both. There was times where I felt great. And I was like, this is amazing. Like I'm letting God lead. I don't have to worry about trying to trying to do it on my own. So it was relieving, but there were some situations. I don't want to get too deep into this unless you guys want to, but six months into um, my marriage, which was, let's see, this was May, 2017. So about four years ago. So my wife is also an entrepreneur. And when we first started out, we didn't really know what we were doing, as you can imagine. And we made some big mistakes in terms of paying our taxes and we didn't do things correctly. So we ended up owing the IRS a lot of money. And my wife called me from the grocery store one day crying because she was like, "Ryan, we don't have any money. And I checked with our bank and the IRS literally took all of our money from our bank account today. And our rent was due the next day. And I had no idea what was going to happen and what was going on. And there was so much uncertainty, but <clears throat> in that moment, at least while I was on the phone, like it, it had to be God. Cause it wasn't me. I was like, didn't freak out. And I was just like, it's okay. We'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. Don't worry about it. And so that going through that process of, it, it ended up being like overall a couple of years until everything was resolved, but there was so many times where we had to rely on God during that time and where he showed up like so powerfully in so many different ways that I think at the end of that process, it was like, now it's just a relief. And I don't really struggle very much with letting God have complete control because I've seen him come through so many times before.
1: Ryan, for you, what does it mean when you say letting him have complete control, like outside of just trusting that things will turn out. All right. How do you actively partner with God? Like how is he a part of your business? Does that make sense?
2: That does make sense. That's a great question. So what I would say, I think is by letting him lead to me, it means the better relationship I have with him, the more clearly and easily I'm going to be able to hear from him and what he wants and where he wants to take me. For example, I don't have a fitness business anymore. As you guys said in the, the intro, um, Academy of Extraordinary Men, that's the business that I have. And that was like probably a three or so year process transitioning fully from fitness to that business. And it it was listening to God along the way. And I didn't get the whole thing all at once. Like It wasn't like God was like, okay, Ryan, this is exactly what you should be doing. It was a little bit here and there. Like When I hired my first coach, I got interested in coaching and that was the first step. But it was just, I I think a lot of times it can be difficult for people because they want to hear God say, okay, this is exactly what you're going to do for the next 30 years, Ryan. Now just go do it. But that's not usually how it works. It's one step at a time. But if you don't take action on that step, he's not going to reveal the next step. So, yeah, that's what I would say.
1: How have you learned to bring him into your decisions more to, to see... so maybe tell us the the story specifically of how that transitioned. Cause I, I know I went with a similar process for myself going from real estate to consulting within the last year or two. So for you, what, what did that practically look like to take that first step?
2: Yeah. So for me, honestly, I think it was back in 2015, actually. So I had a coach for a while. I started going to all these events and I was like, That's the first time that I had a thought pop into my head of, hey, maybe I'm not going to be doing in the fitness industry forever for the rest of my life. And so I acted on that and I actually started coaching some people that I'd met at some of these events just for free, just to see what it was like and just to see if it was a fit for me, if it was something that maybe I wanted to pursue. And I enjoyed it. And I started bringing some of that into my fitness business as well, where with how I was coaching them. And I kind of liked that, but I had an opportunity actually to apply to be a full-time coach that would have been 40 hours of coaching and I ultimately decided not to do it. Cause I was like, I don't think that's what I'm supposed to be doing. It doesn't sound like what I want to do full-time coaching every single day, but I did coaching. So I just slowly, I kept coaching some people on the side And that was really the start of it. And as I did that, I started to see, oh, I really working with these people. I don't really like working with these people. It's easier for me to get results with these people. And, but like I said, it was a slow process because I was only coaching a couple of people at a time and yeah, the fitness business was going well. So it wasn't something where I felt like I'm supposed to jump out of this right now and go directly into this, but I did just keep taking action. And as I did that, it got a little more clear as I kept going.
0: I think it's so cool that you gave yourself permission to experiment. I believe oftentimes we think, okay, I'm going to go corner a part of the market. Therefore, I need to know my demographics. Therefore, I need to know my acquisition plan. Therefore, like you can get so process driven before you even know whether or not your personality fits the process. And you need both because ultimately, if you're moving into uh, a sole proprietorship or if you're just getting something off the ground, As much as you need those deep trenches of of process, ultimately the business is a personification of you. And so you have to actually do the work and spend the time to figure out what's going to work. I think it's really brave of you that you even tried to do it for in order to just try and see how the shoe fit, so to speak. I think that's great. I think that's really, I'm curious as you. So you moved into this new thing now, the Academy, and I think that's awesome. What have you learned from transitioning, both spiritually and as an operator? Were there things that you took from the first thing that moved into the second? Or was your transition net new, sort of everything's beginning again? That's a really great question. So there were definitely a lot of
2: things from my fitness business and just from the fitness industry in general that I took with me. And I think it's cool because this is where you see a lot of innovation is somebody goes from one industry to the next and that other industry may not like they've never heard of some of the things that is normal in the other industry. So that's one thing that I think is really cool when you have crossover like that. But yeah, I think a lot of skills transferred over and some of them definitely didn't. I had an in-person fitness business, brick and mortar location versus everything is online now. And so that was probably, that's probably the most difficult part for me. Just because I love seeing people face to face and also the people that I was working with all lived very close to the gym versus now is a cool thing too, that I coach people all around the country now. But yeah, I, I think I definitely had to trust God a lot in the process and because there was a lot of things that I didn't know, didn't understand, like I had dabbled in the online world actually for a while. So I wasn't totally new to it. Like I did some online training and I actually had a, this is a totally different story, but I I was trying to put together a vertical jump product back in like 2013, 14 and sell online, which failed miserably. But so I wasn't totally new to the online stuff, but yeah, I had to trust God a lot because there was a lot that I didn't know. But I feel today right now, I can say that I feel more aligned with my purpose than I ever have. And so that's just really incredibly encouraging to me because this wasn't my idea. I I wish I could take credit for it, but it wasn't, it was God's idea and he knows what he's doing. And I I can see looking back now that there's, there was a lot of preparing going on when I was uh, starting my fitness business and just the entire journey along the way.
0: So what's cool about what you articulated is I think so oftentimes you hear about the, the folks that pioneered the most from innovation. Like you think of J- Jeff Bezos and he goes, how am I going? He, he didn't even know he was going to start Amazon the way he started it. He said, where is the biggest opportunity for logistics to solve a problem? And he saw, oh, it is specifically with books, suffers the most from logistics. And he took something that he knew and put it into place he didn't know. And that's where he saw his success And it's true for intimacy with God as well. We've seen this over and over again with entrepreneurs that oftentimes we have a relationship with God in one part of our lives, but we haven't really learned to trust it in a new area. And what we find is that the relationship is the same. The context is just different. And so for the kingdom entrepreneur, the Christian business leader, that sense of innovation and intimacy working together is actually an asset to you. Because you're going where you haven't gone before, but you're going where the Almighty can really help you come into a a new understanding of what it will mean to have a relationship with Him. And that affects your business in really positive ways. So let's go into a little bit about like day in the life. I'm curious, what are the things that you do? From an operations perspective, are you getting a bowl of Wheaties and and getting to and then getting to work? But like, what do you do to set yourself off straight in the morning and and kind of get your business running well? That's a great question. So,
2: <clears throat> in the beginning, as an entrepreneur, I was all over the place. Had no systems. Had no boundaries. Uh, especially. Before I got married, I the great thing about being an entrepreneur and also the thing that can be really challenging sometimes is as an employee, you're going to your job, then you're coming home, and most of the time, you're turned off. As an entrepreneur, you can work 24-7 if you want, and so the first couple of years, that's what I did, and I didn't have any boundaries. There was no delineation between my personal life and, and business, really. It was just all one big glob, and it was very messy, so I think... One thing for me is setting very clear boundaries. And sometimes I have to go outside of them, but that's okay. But I have the boundaries of Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's my work time. And so I try to stick to that as much as possible. As I said, my wife is an entrepreneur too. So sometimes we can get in a lot of trouble because we both have something that we're like, oh, we really want to work on this, but we have to make sure that we schedule and date nights and and things like that and be really intentional. So that doesn't happen. But a day in the life for me, every day is a little bit different. I do have a morning routine that when I stick to it, it definitely helps me out a lot. I'm way more productive. So typically like to get up pretty early in the morning, 5, 530 and work out. Don't work out every single day. But if I do work out, that's like the first thing that I go do in the morning. If I don't work out, I'll usually jump in the shower because I know I'm not naturally a morning person. My wife is. So at 530 in the morning, especially if it's cold and in the winter, if I don't do something to wake myself up, either go to the gym or jump in the shower, it's it's probably not going to be a great morning. One thing that my wife and I do pretty consistently in the morning that I think is really powerful to start off the day, and it's also powerful for our marriage, is we take... 10 to 15 minutes to do a quick little Bible study together. What we've been doing lately is literally just reading the verse of the day from the Bible app. And then we will do SOAP, which is an acronym for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And so we'll just go through that verse, but we'll go deep into that verse, talk about our observations, our application, and then we'll pray about it. And we'll pray for each other for the day. That is an awesome way to start off your day. I think praying together with and for your wife and going into the word of God, not just by yourself, but as a couple. So that's really powerful. And then a couple of the other things that I like to do, I also like to do some Bible study on my own. So typically when I'm making breakfast, I'll listen to um, an audio of the pastor of our church started probably nine months ago or so doing uh, really in-depth, Bible study where he will dig into like maybe one chapter of the Bible at a time and it'll be like 30 minutes. He spends like three hours himself dissecting and going through all this stuff and putting together the notes. So I love doing that, listening to it while I'm making breakfast or something and eating. I make sure to review my vision board every morning. I have it right behind my computer here. So I see it all the time. When it's simple, I just have nine images on it with a word or a phrase under each. One that gets me excited. Something else that I think is really important for me is I created what I like to call my ultimate vision statement. And so every major area of my life, and this took me a long time and I'm always tweaking it, but I wrote out exactly what I want for each area. So spiritually, in my marriage, with my business, what what would it look like if it was exactly the way I wanted? So I typically will listen to, I recorded a version of it. So I typically will listen to that. Sometimes I'll read it myself out loud. But those are some of the things that I try to do every single morning before I sit down to start work. Because if I just jump into work right away, it, it's a mixed bag. Sometimes it'll be great. Sometimes I'll get distracted and get nothing done. So those are a few of the things that I like to do before I jump into work.
0: It's. I see a pattern with so many successful entrepreneurs that they are doing something to set a pace for their day and doing something like vision boards or something like kind of trying to figure out. I, I love how you articulated what if everything was operating the way I wanted it to. What would that look like and having a clear picture of that. So I'm curious because you've got this so nailed down. Where is Ryan? like in the future, where do you, like, what's the final frontier for you? What do you see that looking like both for yourself and even just as an entrepreneur in general? That's
2: a really great question. I'll give you my best answer, but the only one that really knows that is God. Because if he tells me tomorrow to to turn around and go in the opposite direction, I'll probably be like, God, what are you doing? I've I've been working on this for a long time. This is what I want to do, but I'll do it. It's hard to answer, but I would say I really love what I'm doing right now coaching men, helping them not only grow their business, but really become extraordinary in, in what I think are the, the four uh, core four um, areas of life, which is faith, family and relationships, business and your health. So I definitely see myself doing that for, for a really long time. It's what I love. Like I said before, I feel like I'm more in God's purpose for my life than I've ever been before by far. So honestly, I see it expanding. I have a podcast as well. I started about three or four months ago that's gonna be something that's long term for me. I love doing it bringing on amazing entrepreneurs and being able to share that and I get to learn as well. What I see is the next step for me so I do one on one coaching and I have a virtual mastermind is starting an in person mastermind and running some live events so those are some of the things that I see coming up in business and then in terms of Uh, Just my personal life, like Brittany and I are in the process of starting a family. So we want to have three kids. So that's going to change everything, obviously. And we want to be able to raise our kids at home without sending them to daycare. So figuring out how we're going to structure our businesses, because she has a totally separate business from me to make that happen. So those are the things that I see coming up on the horizon.
1: Ryan, I'm I'm curious, because I know you have your your five steps to being extraordinary. Is that am I? You're pretty close. Five, yeah. Uh, can, can you unpack those a little bit? Or can you tell us, because I know that's probably a ton, but can you at least give us what are the most important skills? Or yeah, what are the most important things that you see your clients when they get it, they're able to achieve success?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, I call it my five-step become extraordinary framework and really... I've been an entrepreneur now for nine years and I've invested a lot of time and a lot of money into myself and my own personal growth. And I've definitely seen patterns in not only in myself, but also in all the people that I've coached. So that's how I came up with this framework. I call it my five-step become extraordinary framework. And really, I think you can use it to become extraordinary in any area of your life, not just your business, literally anywhere, your marriage, your health, doesn't matter. So I'll give just a brief overview of what it is. I'll name the five steps and then I'll go a little bit deeper into each of them. And you guys can feel free to jump in and and, uh, ask me to go deeper on anything. So the five steps are number one is clarity. Number two is commitment. Number three is coaching. Number four is courageous action. And number five is course correction. So with clarity, you got to start with clarity. So if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. And I like using SMART goals, which is an acronym, stands for specific, measurable. Some people say A is a little different. I like saying aligned because your goals need to be aligned with your values. If they're not, you're going to run into trouble. Realistic and time-based. So that's how I teach people to set goals when you really need to be very clear on your goals and what you want. I see a lot of people that just, they don't even write down their goals and they're just general. They're like, oh yeah, I want to make a million dollars in my business, or I want to do this, or I want to do that. So really, whenever I am coaching someone for the first time, this is always where I start. We get really specific on their goals. I, I like to run them through that smart filter. So I find out what they want, why they want it. We'll talk about strategies, um, But really the why especially is going to be fuel to drive you forward. So it's incredibly important to dive into that too. Commitment, I think there's three parts to commitment. So leverage, accountability, and focus. So leverage, there's really only two reasons why anybody does anything. It's pain and pleasure. So it's either they're trying to avoid pain or they're trying to gain pleasure. So when I'm coaching somebody, I always bring that into the equation because Some people are really clear on what it is that they want, but they're not committed. So when the first obstacle shows up, they just quit. So tie your goals to pain and pleasure. And then accountability is really, you you have to have somebody. I mentioned earlier that I was suffering in silence because I didn't have accountability. I didn't have anybody or anything at that time. And so having either a mentor or an accountability partner or a coach or being a part of a mastermind or something like that is absolutely critical, I think, in having somebody that's going to hold you accountable to what you say you want to achieve. And then the last one focus is and we mentioned some of these already. It's your daily actions because your daily actions are either going to make you more committed or less committed. So I talked about my vision board and my ultimate vision, either reading through that or listening to it. Another great one is I didn't mention this as part of my routine, but I call it my power question. So I have, I think it's six different questions that I ask answer every single morning, that definitely gets me more committed. And then also spending time with God, the more time I spend with God, the more committed I feel to my goals. And so that's commitment. Step number three is coaching. And the way I like to look at coaching, at least in this context, is two different types. There's active and passive. So passive coaching would be doing something like reading a book or going through a course or something like that you're getting coached by this person. They may have spent 10 years writing this book and put their life's work into it. So you're getting their strategies and you're getting coaching in a way from them, but it's passive because they can't speak back to you. They can't mold it to your situation. And then active is what what people would more traditionally think of as a one-on-one coach or maybe being part of a high-level mastermind or something like that, where you can get feedback and they can take maybe something you learned from a book and they can mold it to your situation and make it specific to you. And the thing that I always like to say is the bigger your goal, the higher level of coaching that you need. So if you have a really big goal and you're trying to achieve it just by reading a book, it's probably not gonna work out so well. It may help you, but you're probably gonna need a higher level of coaching. And then step number four is courageous action. And really action, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? So if you have a big goal, you are going to have to take courageous action at some point to achieve that. There's just no way of getting around it, plain and simple. Encourage doesn't mean that you're not scared. It means that you're scared, but you do it anyway. So if you're not taking consistent action, it means you need to go back to steps one through three. Because if you have steps one through three really nailed down, you're really clear on what you want, you're really committed to it, and you're getting a high level of coaching, then you should be taking courageous action. So step number five, the last one is course correction. And this one honestly can be the hardest for people because of their expectations. So sometimes they feel like they did everything. all right Ryan, I did steps one through four. I'm taking action. I have a coach. I'm committed, all this stuff, but it's usually still not going to work out the first time you do it. So they feel like they're doing everything right. And they still fail the first time they do it or maybe the first couple times. And so they quit. They're like, I was doing everything right. It's still not working. Maybe it's just me. Maybe something's wrong with me. And so I think that's really incredibly important to set your expectations and realize that entrepreneurship and running a business is hard. It's, there's a reason why not everybody does it. And <clears throat> first time you do anything, it's not going to be perfect. I love to use the example of a baby trying to learn how to walk. Like, A baby does not just stand up and start walking. They fall down hundreds of times before they learn to walk. But the way that they learn to walk is by doing it and failing and then doing it again. So I think it's a great lesson for entrepreneurs. And just another analogy, too, is an airplane. Airplanes, when they're flying, like an example, if you're going to Hawaii from L.A., That airplane is constantly being blown off course and they have to constantly course correct or they would never make it to Hawaii. So just realizing that's the way it is in life. That's the way it is as an entrepreneur or a business owner as well. Like it's not going to be the perfect the first time you do it. You're going to have to course correct probably a lot more times than you think or than you want to.
1: And there's a lot of good stuff in there, Ryan. And I hope maybe we can coax you into doing a a partnership lunch break series with us when we go offline here. For our time, I want to make sure and and honor your time. We have our five questions that we ask all of our guests at the end. So I'm going to jump into those. And our first question is, what are your top three must-read books, not including the Bible, and these can be business, family, spiritual, even your favorite cookbook?
2: Yeah, this is such a hard question because... I love books so much. I have hundreds of them. But if I had to pick three, at least right now, maybe I'd give you three different ones tomorrow. But the first one I would say is As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And if you haven't heard of it, you should definitely go pick it up. It's only about 50 or 60 pages long. It's probably going to be the easiest personal development book you ever read. But it was first published in 1903. So it's a little bit of an old one. It's been around for a while, but it's fantastic. It's very simple, very easy, and really teaches you how important your thoughts are, as the title suggests. The second one I would say is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I love that book. So he is a Holocaust survivor and the book is, is basically his story of, I think he was in Auschwitz and how he survived. And he also goes deep into the mindset and of the people that he saw that gave up and then they died like immediately. And the people that had a purpose or a reason to keep going. And um, that's an amazing book. And then the third one, this is a book that I read just within the last couple of months is The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. And so I think anybody, whether you're a mature Christian, or you're a new Christian, or you're not even a Christian, but you're just interested in Christianity. Um, it's a must read, in my opinion. He does such an amazing job going through pretty much every question I could ever think of, of asking. And he does it in such a detailed and amazing way. So those are the three books that I would say.
1: Those are great. I love the diversity among those three. And I'm pretty sure you win the award for oldest recommendation. (laughs) I think before now Uh, how to win win friends and influence people, but I I think you beat even that one on there. Question number two, you can send a note card back to yourself when you're first starting off on your entrepreneurial journey. What are the three pieces of advice you're putting on that note card? Such a great question. Again, I wish
2: I could write like hundreds of things, but if I could put three things on there, the first thing I would put is probably to hire a coach as soon as possible, even if you don't think you can afford it, because man, a good coach is like a massive shortcut. It's like a cheat code on a video game. And the second thing I think I would say is to go to live events and network. So I didn't do that for the first couple of years. And man, I think I would have made so much quicker progress had I done that. So building friendships and adding value to people, because like I said before, I suffered in silence for a while. I didn't know any other successful entrepreneurs. I didn't know any other entrepreneurs in my industry even. So I think that's really important. And then the third one I would say is that it's a roller coaster. So buckle up and commit to the long haul because the only way you're going to fail is if you give up. So you got to be committed.
1: I can relate to a, a lot of those. One, I just finished uh, the entrepreneurial roller coaster this this morning. And then my, one of my life verses is Hebrews 10, 24, which is provoke one another unto love and good works. And I think as entrepreneurs, that is so important, both for the networking to get out there, but also, like you said, men are not just making sure that you're not alone and staying in community with other people and staying encouraged is so important. Question number three, how do you define success for yourself? today?
2: It's definitely changed. I think early on in my career, I would have defined it by how much money I was making or how many clients I had or, or something like that. But I think a lot of people have a lot of rules that need to happen in order for them to feel successful and happy. Like for example, I'm going to finally feel successful and finally be happy once my business is making $10 million a year and I have a Lamborghini in the garage and I'm married to the perfect wife and I have perfect kids and this and that and all these other things. And if one of those things is not perfect, then they feel like a failure. I think this comes from Tony Robbins is what he says. Most people have a dirt road to success and a paved highway to failure in their mind. Like it's really easy for them to feel like they're a failure and it's really hard for them to feel like they're a success. So for me, success is not about how much money you make. And it's not even about being happy all the time. I think people get caught up in that too. Like, I need to be happy all the time. No, you don't. And if you're following God's purpose for your life, there's probably gonna be some times where you're not happy all the time. But for me, success, I try to simplify it. Success is doing what God made you to do. And so I think there's kind of two parts to that. So the first part is God made everybody to to worship Him, like to want to worship God and to honor Him and to serve Him. So if I'm doing that, like on a daily basis, if I'm praying and I'm worshiping God and I'm connected to God, I feel successful. And then the second part of it, I think, is He also gave us each a unique purpose. And so when I am following my God-given purpose, and which I feel like I am now more than ever, then I also feel successful in that way. And I I don't think of success as a destination either. To me, it's an ongoing journey. And so to put it in a little more practical terms, it's for me, it's working on being extraordinary in the four pillars of life, which I mentioned earlier, faith, family and relationships, business and health. And it's continuously making progress to be the God, the the man that God called me to be and to maximize my potential. That's great. That's a good answer.
1: Question number four, when times have gotten tough, what's kept you from quitting?
2: Yeah, definitely. Number one is my, my faith and my trust in God and just remembering all the times that I have felt that way before that I've had tough times before and he's came through and he's never left me behind. And also I think the other things I would say is remembering that obstacles are often just a test of how badly you want it. Because if you quit at the first obstacle, then who knows what could have happened. And I think the last point I would make on that would be having a really strong vision of what I want and more importantly, why I want it. That's
1: awesome, Ryan. Question number five: What question should we have asked that we didn't? I would say
2: probably, "What is your definition of leadership?" And so, well, well, g- give it to us then. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you just a brief, brief version of what I think leadership is. So, if I, I gave you one word, I would say initiation. But it's because leaders go first and they set the example. And I don't care if it's in business or in your marriage. As a man, we're called to be the spiritual leaders of our family. And so I didn't really understand leadership and, and how it worked starting out, especially in marriage. And I thought being a leader in your marriage and, and for your family meant being a dictator. So I was the opposite of first. But so, yeah, that, that's what I would say. Leadership is initiation. That's good. I like that.
1: Well, Ryan, we've so enjoyed getting to have the conversation with you today. For everyone listening, where can they find out more about your podcast, about coaching, and just keep up with all of the things you're, you're working on?
2: Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you guys so much for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. So the best place to go would be aoemen.simplecast.com. So that's like the homepage for my podcast, so you can check that out there. There's also links there to my free Facebook group. And I want to give a gift to the first five of your listeners that go do this. They can get a free 60-minute business accelerator coaching call with me personally. And when they're applying for the call, just mention that you heard me on the Eternal Entrepreneur podcast, and I'll make sure that, that that happens. And also just to mention that it won't be a sales call, like I'll give you 60 minutes of value not what I'm about. And basically a preview of the call would be, we jump into your world, discover what's working for you, where you want to be in your business, and your life, and the gap that stands between that. And then make sure that your vision is clearly defined and that you're super committed to it. So the, the first two steps of that five-step framework is what I go
0: over.
1: Well, Ryan, it's been an honor. Thank you again for spending this time with us. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and leave a quick review. When you do, it helps other entrepreneurs find this content and benefit from it too. See you next week.